and turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew. I like many of the songs of yesteryear. They had something to teach us, something to say. Something to say. Not, yeah, not just, not just Jesus is the universe or something. I heard a contemporary Christian song that said, you are the universe. I said, what does that mean? I know what we just sung. Anyway, that's a whole different sermon. We'll save that for later. I've had several of you ask me about my struggles being alone uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and the kids coming home Wednesday. My mama asked me this morning, she said, how were you? How was, how was your time? I said, fleeting. It was, it was fleeting. It just, it went by. But I missed you so bad, baby. I, I could hardly draw breath. I don't think I went to sleep. I don't think I did. I don't know if I woke up, but. And um, y'all, it's hot outside. I, Macon, topographically, you know, Macon has like a hole. And all the air goes above it like that. And we're like the armpit of the south. It's a. Uh, for those of you Yankees that you, you down here, you go, what meaneth this? It's not even August yet, baby. You ain't. <laughs> Macon is like, <laughs> you take a microwave, a Salisbury steak, mashed potato microwave meal, and it says cook for 90 seconds. Cook it for about four minutes. Put your face right up to the lip of it and pull it back. <laughs> and all that steam and it's like a gravy feel. That's Macon. We're grateful for it, Lord. So thankful for air conditioning up in here. Heaven's going to be air conditioned. I know. You girls bring you a shawl because he's going to have the air on. And did our thing die this morning? I'm, I'm observant like that, obviously. There'll be a special place in hell for all technology too. So, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. Shifting gears. Are you ready for the word this morning? Matthew 14, our, our same text as last week. I just felt like I hadn't rung out of that sermon uh, all that we needed to. Matthew 14, 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And after he sent them away, he went up in the mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary oppositional. They were rowing against the wind. In the fourth watch of the night, between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, and they said, it's a ghost, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer, or, or take courage, stop being afraid. It is I. Anytime you see Jesus using the words, before Abraham was, I am. Just tell them that I am sent you in the Old Testament. Here he is. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why are you still doubting? Why, why are you doubting me? When they came into the ship, the wind ceased. And then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. 
Last week, God gave us opportunity to talk about the revelation of God in storms. We talked about the power of an invitation where when Simon saw Jesus in his storm, he said, if it's you, tell me to come to you. He didn't ask him to make the storm go away. He said, let me draw near to you closer than I ever have before. Give me the power to not just be preserved, but to to see you in a way I've never seen you before. And we saw the miracle of him walking on the water and we see his humanity, his failure, Jesus rescuing him. And then we talked about when Jesus got to the other side, the wind ceased, the storm stopped, and they all began to worship him. But one of them worshiped him with wet clothes. We talked about that last week. One of them had the experience of walking with the Lord through storms and failures, but that God was a constant rescue to him. But I want to speak to you very briefly this morning on the subject of God still uses storms. The goal of the storm is not to get you out of the storm. The goal of the storm is to get the storm out of you. God has refining fires for us to purge us, to to sanctify us, to, to make our faith more pure. And where storms sank, I mean, where uh, refiner's fire purifies us, storms prioritize us. They cause us to see him more clearly and put valuable things. It's amazing what you'll throw overboard to keep your boat afloat. And I believe there, I know for a fact in the natural that there are many people in our church going through very violent storms. Others are going through long periods of the same opposing wind before them. And I believe I have a word for you this morning that God not only uses storms, but he may be using yours. So wouldn't it be nice to see what the Lord's doing? We pray, Lord, what are you doing? Maybe we'll see it this morning. So Father, I just humble myself before you today. You know me. I'm an unprofitable servant at best. And never deserved your call, never deserved this opportunity today. But I just present myself to you and ask you to anoint me for your people's sake, that I could bring truth uh, in a way that maybe they had not seen before or in a way that just confirms what they already knew. But let your word go forth like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. Let there be a strong sense of your presence with it and your approval of it. You preach through the preacher this morning, O Lord. Let us hear from heaven. Let us leave today not talking about the sermon, but may we with integrity say before we even get to lunch, today I heard from God for my life. And I thank you for that, God, in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You remember last week I told you that these storms happened to the disciples, this storm did, while they were living in obedience. They were following him. And yes, things negatively can happen to you when you're outside of the will of God, but being in the will of God does not exempt you from those things as well. Storms happen to those that are living obediently as well. Number one, God uses storms to teach us to follow. If you're taking notes, God uses storms to teach us to follow. It said in verse 22, if you're taking notes, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to go to a ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. 
Following Christ's commands does not grant us fair skies or wind at our back. Uh, and that there will be no opposition or there won't be delays. What it does is it guarantees that you'll reach your destination. Following God does not grant you fair skies. It grants you heaven as your destination. How many of you know that the, the God will narrow your pathway to get you to a specific destination? And Zion, we're on our way to Zion. We're on our way to heaven. And these storms will prepare us and keep us straight. And they will keep you. See, we think when we're losing comfort that God is losing control. But God uses comfort and pain. It's like a, a contraction to line you back up and to pull you back in line. Don't forget who it is that leads you. God Almighty. He leads you intentionally, divinely, supernaturally, sovereignly, and perfectly. And he's accomplishing many different things at the same time at different levels interconnected. Everything's connected. And you don't have to see it all to believe it all. I, I don't, I'm not... I'm, the older I get, I'm not trying to figure him out. I used to be so anxious and trying to connect A to B. And what happened to C? God, you didn't do C and it skipped to D. And I don't understand. Well, lean not to your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. I might not see all you're doing, but I see you. Do you notice where he said, it's I. That's all, that's all you need is to know that I am. I am here and I'm in control. That's a good place to say amen. Thank you, Charles, for that. He leads us systematically, methodically, divinely, and supernaturally. He, his leading is interconnected and progressive with all that's behind us. As we follow him into storms, difficulties, wilderness, and war, these things get at the very roots of our independent spirit, our self-reliance and rebellion. Storms will teach you that you're not all that in a bucket of chicken. They will teach you that you are a limited resource and that you have very little or no control. Yeah, I said it. You, ain't, you don't have any. Storms will teach you how frail and fragile you really are because no matter how muscular the captain is and no matter how tight they grip the, the oars, there are some winds stronger than your back and you can't navigate them. How else would God get it? Self-reliance, self-dependence. You know why we cling to self-reliance and self-dependence so much? So we can have self-glorying. Instead of saying, man, I can't even keep myself. When we're young, we talk about our grip on God. And we'll stand up in testimony service and I got a hope to him. Well, the older I get, I'm not so concerned about my grip on God as I am God's grip on me. And I trust him and I believe him in that. The willingness to follow God immediately, wholeheartedly, passionately, joyfully. This willingness to follow God is the predecessor of seeing God faithfully fulfill Psalms 23 in your life. He said, go to the other side here. I'm going to go up into a mountain to pray, and I want you to get in the boat and go this way. Your confidence should not be in how clear your skies are. Your confidence should be on how straight your compass is. 
Do you realize how rich and profound that is for you? I'm not bragging about me. I'm just saying your confidence in God it should not be based upon clear skies. It's I'm doing what he told me to do, how he told me to do it, and when he told me to do it. So then I am in that obedience his responsibility. I am. This church is his responsibility. And if God can't keep us, we might as well forget the whole deal, right? Storms teach you to follow before, during, and after. Number two, God uses storms to teach us how to pray. Jesus modeled this prayer for us. He said when he sent the multitudes away, verse 23, he went in a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. He prayed because the tempter was trying to distract him. Offering to make Jesus king through popularity instead of through his death and burial and resurrection. Offering to make him king instead of allowing him to be the savior. I believe he prayed because he was exhausted. Jesus, the God man, him being the son of man, would feel virtue leave him. And I believe he needed to be renewed through connectivity with his father. I believe that Jesus prayed to keep his eternal perspective. Because if you're not careful, this world will shape you into its ideologies and, and, and living for now. And the, the, it's easy to get your radio station dial bumped off just a little bit where you can't hear heaven. But isn't there something about being alone with God where your thoughts line up with his word and his spirit? And it's like a tuning fork. It goes, this is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right and left, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, you know the way. I believe he prayed not only to preserve his heavenly perspective, his focus and calling. I believe he prayed to be real, refilled with his own power because so much virtue had gone out of him. I believe he prayed to recommit himself to the will of the Father. And he prayed on the mountain when nothing was wrong. There's a lesson there. He prayed on the mountain before anything happened. And he prayed in the evenings and in the mornings and in other places. He prayed all during the day. The, the, the point I'm trying to make is storms teach you not only how to pray, Jesus modeling for us, but that he was praying as well. And he ever liveth to make intercession for us, meaning that he stands in the presence of God with the proof of our innocence and he prays for us. Why shouldn't I be doing for myself what he's doing for me? There are people in this room, you don't pray till stuff happens. And then, oh Lord, I've forgotten you many days, but I remember you now. And the Lord's patient and tender with us. But sometimes it's the storms that keep us on track. I want to say that again. Sometimes it's the storms that are guardrails that bump us back into the middle. You forgot you needed me, didn't you? You forgot I was priority. You forgot I was preeminent. You forgot that I'm sovereign and I rule over all. And in my hand is power and might. And I give strength unto all. You forgot, didn't you? Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to me? So that you will see me more clearly again. God uses storms, number three, to teach us how to persevere. It said the ship, verse 24, was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. 
I've said this so many times in this house over the years. But if overcoming was easy, there'd be more overcomers. Perseverance is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love just happens in your heart when you're connected to Christ. Love just happens. It grows on the branches of your life. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, not perseverance. You persevere. You, listen, others cannot do it for you and God will not do it for you. You decide to continue. You decide to believe. You decide to stay faithful. You decide to hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You decide instead of being woke in this generation, you stay awakened in him. You decide. You decide. You're not going to conform me into the image of your new Jesus that does not resemble the Jesus of the Bible. It ain't happening. To persevere in the unforeseen. Most every traumatic thing, in the, most of the things the believers went through, Jesus didn't tell them. And God didn't tell them in the Old Testament. Sometimes he would, but a lot of times he didn't. You, you need to be prepared for the unforeseen. Prepared for that which you have not prepared for. Prepare you for, your, for these things that are coming. Teach us how to persevere when you're making little to no progress. The Sea of Galilee is six miles across and they've been rowing for six to nine hours and they were only halfway there. All right, I'm going to go to meddling. Is that Okay. Some of us are good starters. If I have a strength, is I know what I don't know. You know, I know I can't do any kind of carpentry. I can listen to Jason come over and he'll he'll start doing stuff. I go, ooh, I don't know nothing. I ain't starting. I'm not going to Lowe's. You know, Brother Sego helps us out so much at our house. And he says, well, you can just pick up. I said, no, sir, I'll buy the wrong thing. Well, that'll make him feel like, well, he's gonna, we're going to make four or five trips to Lowe's because I know I don't know how to do it. But some of y'all, though, you watch one YouTube video and you're going to build a porch. <laughs> you got a pair of pliers, a flathead screwdriver, and a drill with no battery, and you're going to build a porch. And you, you start strong, and you look at me and you go, lazy. No, I'm wise. I'm over there with a cup of lemonade and said, I'm going to be as far building a porch in two hours as you are. We go off half cocked and we, we fade away. Lose 50 pounds in three days. Just order now. Ooh, I'm going to do that. Only three payments of 150 bucks for $450. I'm going to lose 50 pounds in three days. No. And then you, you get your packet of MRE. Is that what they call it, Jay? I'm not military. MRI, MRE. You get your little two ounces. Okay, here's a man, 245 pounds. And you get one of these. You rip it open. It's a fueling. Jason come in office one day. I'm using Jason a lot today. I said, you want to go to lunch, man? He goes, no, I'm just going to eat, eat my disappointment. <laughs> That's what he called them. Not fuelings, but disappointments. 
And they go strong. They go strong for about three, four days. And then they start getting mean. <laughs> Kelly gave up coffee one time and, ooh. Can I tell? Is that okay to tell? She said, sure. Huh? So she's in a room by herself. Kelly's in a room by herself. No animals. Kids are gone. We all just know. Just stayed away. And she's by herself looking into a corner. Laurie Webb knows this to be true. She goes, she goes coffee is my best friend. <laughs> I'm like, it's not a drug. It's not a drug. It's not a drug. And, and we start strong. See, we start strong. If losing 50 pounds was easy, more people would do it. If getting out of a habit is easy, or if keeping your promises to God were easy. See, you didn't think I'd just let you laugh with no cost, did you? I'm just going to be consecrated to God. You got a flathead screwdriver and a drill with no battery. I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to walk with God. No, you got to consider your life lost. Put all of it in him to go forward and persevere. Curse him now, Job. All right, I see Andy. We're papas. There's a lot in this world we aren't, we're daddies. We're daddies. You lose your babies, all of them. The devil said, what you going to do now, Job? Before he can catch his breath, someone else comes. Someone had told him, all your children are dead. They said, all your business, businesses, all your possessions are gone. And before he can steady himself, he gets the message and he's lost that and he becomes sick himself. How are you going to continue when there's no evidence of God's presence or pleasure in your life? Storms train you to persevere. How are you going to bury your children if you can't even row the boat? Storms are strength training, baby. I'm not making light of your situation. Storms teach you how to persevere when you can't see him, when he hasn't come down out of the mountain yet, when he's not talking and you're saying, did he tell us to go this way? All I know is that I'm not letting go of this oar and I'm going to do what God called me to do. Persevere. Perseverance. No one has the corner on it. And you know, there are people in this room, you're wired this way. You actually have deceived yourself and said, well, they just, it's easier for them. Oh, come on, man. I had one guy tell me one time, he said, you tell these stories about what you got out of, but it's easier for you. You're a preacher. So it's easier for me to diet because I'm a preacher. It's crazy. Perseverance only grows when you persevere. You have to persevere in times of great danger. You have to persevere during times of opposition when it's hard, when the disappointments. That's all you got for today, baby. That's it. When God is quiet, you just you keep going. When, when the winds are contrary, when you feel alone and when you feel forgotten. See, the devil, oh, I, I wish I had, I wish your pastor was smart enough to say it in a way that would just be so clear. But the devil knows how to do crosswinds. To where you feel forgotten and you feel unloved. 
and you feel like a failure, which is another whole different direction. And then you feel the loss of your youth. And then you feel unseen or unappreciated. And then you don't have strength to do what you want to do. And you feel like your window's closing and all those crosswinds just to get you to quit. Listen, the devil cannot make you quit. <laughs> He's powerless. He can make your life hell but you can walk right through it because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I'm telling you what your word is today. Persevere. Well, the devil knocked me down. Then get up and walk again with a swollen eye. Persevere. I don't know what I'm going to do. Then persevere while you don't know. Persevere. What, do, what does the devil do with those people? Nothing. He can't do anything with them. Because he can't stop you. He can only trick you. And he'll use storms to tell you God's forgotten you. Instead of realizing that uh, God is using strength training. Now, I'm no longer an athlete. Uh, I, have, I have memories. They're fading. But I was athletic. I was strong. I was fast. I, I, I was fine. I was fine. I had a V, now I got an H, got that H working. <laughs> Used to have a six pack, eight pack, now I got a keg. Yeah, I got a keg. I tie my shoes and pass out. I don't know what's wrong. But back in the day, when I managed the health club I, uh, at college, I remember having, I wouldn't just let, wouldn't train with just anybody. I would want somebody that knew me, guys that work out and girls that work out. You will understand this. Others do what? I needed him to know what my expressions looked like so he knew how much to help me on the bench. So if I made a loud noise, he would know that. that you got it. You got it. Get, or it's tapping. Come on, John. Come on. And he would tap the bar. And on an incline press especially. And I would push and push. And he would help just enough. And you get to the point they called it Failure. To where my muscle, that was it. It was maxed out. It just would stretch and stretch and stretch. And then about a month and a half later, that weight that was killing me, I'm doing reps in it. Listen to your pastor. The storm is strength training. It's beyond you, but you'll soon be beyond it. Yes, you will. Paul! Tomorrow morning, they, Paul watched James, the brother of John, get run through with a sword. John falls over and they put the sword to his throat and said, you're next. And the same night, Paul was found sleeping, chained to 16 soldiers. What? He's pulling on, it's attached to their legs. He's like, come here, can you get a little closer? I got to go sleep. He's laying down like, what do you mean? He's, if I paraphrase. He said, listen, I don't, I don't walked with the Lord. If I'm supposed to go home tomorrow, ain't nothing I'm going to do that's going to uh, keep me here. And if I ain't supposed to go home, there's nothing you can do that'll take me away from here. So while y'all stay up, make sure I'm not escaping. I'm going to go to sleep. Persevere. Persevere. Keep believing. Keep hoping. Persevere through great fatigue. I'm grateful that the Lord lets me limp. 
I'm grateful that I don't have to put on a show. I'm grateful that I can say there are some days when it's all I can do is just make it to the end of the, at the end of the day. And there are other days I can run through a city and leap over a wall. And other days I can chase demons. And some days I'm just so tired. My soul's tired. My mind's tired. My body's tired. I dream of heaven. I'm glad that I can persevere even when I'm worn out. See, while you judge my pace, people will judge you. Did you know that? Do you know people will judge you? They'll look at you and go, shouldn't pastor be going faster? Shouldn't he be doing better? Uh, you've lost sight of my direction. I'm honed in, baby. I'm honed in. And while I may not be going as fast as you want me to go, I think it was Spurgeon that said, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Just keep your pace. Persevere. Finish. Finish. Persevere when God is seemingly inactive. Storms teach us to trust. God will eventually come to us and he will eventually come for us. I don't know who that's for today. He will eventually come to you and for you. God came to them in a way he'd never come before. In some of my greater storms, like when he walks to you on the water, you say, I've never seen him do that before. One of the mantras of people that navigate numerous storms is the phrase, I didn't know he was going to come that way. I didn't know he was going to give us sports town this way. I didn't know he was going to pay off the church this way. I didn't know he was going to bring her home this way or bring him home. I didn't know he was going to turn my baby's life around that way. I didn't know my son had to sink to the bottom to get him back to the top. I didn't know that God was going to do it that way. God came to them. Christ came to them in a, a calm display of absolute authority and power. He just walked on the water to him and said, I am he. I am yours. I am here. I am these things for you. God uses storms to teach us the source of courage. But straightway, verse 27, Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Listen to this. Everybody listen. The purest form of grace is not God's actions, but his presence. He said, I'm here. See, we want the actions because it solves the problems. We want the actions because it solves the problem of our circumstances. But if I have his presence, it solves the problem of my personality. You see, I don't need my storm calmed. I need me calmed. He said, it's me. I'm with you. And I'm with you always, quite always, to the end of the age. When you wake up, he's with you. When you go to bed, he's with you. Before you ask, he's with you. In lack, he's with you. In abundance, he's with you. In misunderstanding, he's with you. That awareness of his presence. Storms reveal that to us. Jesus came walking on the water and said, it's me. I am here. Be of good courage. He told him to take courage. Listen, not because he was going to help, but because he was there. He said, take courage because I'm here. Not because of what he was going to do, but because of who he was. Not because the storm was not strong, but because he was much stronger 
And not because the storm was winding down, but because he was just getting started. That made me want to shout yesterday. I was in my office typing that. I was like, ooh, that's good. He, he, he was not trying to encourage me to tell me the storm was winding down. It's like he whispered in my heart, I'm just getting started. Clear the stage. Watch the Son of God go. Watch what I'm going to do in this, because of this, and after this. The promise of God's presence is the comfort of the believer. I know I've covered a lot here this morning. We're almost done. God uses storms to display his power. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. The power of a faith-filled request. The power found in one word from God. One word, come. And he was able to do something impossible. Something he couldn't do a moment ago. Something that other people couldn't do after that. One word from God. The power of obedience. The power of vulnerability. Some of you this side of heaven may never experience it because of your fears. There's a glory in being vulnerable. When you get out of the boat and you decide that you are safer walking on the water to Jesus than you are in a boat that you're familiar with. Vulnerable. When you get to the place and they say, what are you going to do? And you say, I don't know. But I know him. And I'm going to stand on his promises. And I'm going to stand on his history. And I'm going to stand on his track record. I'm going to stand believing. I believe God. The power. Hello? Somebody's alarm, phone. Bread's ready. No. Oh, just on a side note. Did y'all see that lady that cooked bread in her mailbox in Texas? She had a brick mailbox, and she just put her starter out there and told her, told her boy, go get the bread. It's ready. Cooked in the mailbox. Y'all need to quit. All right, back to, back to the back to sermon. God's hand, well, let me say this. God uses storms to teach us about grace. And Simon got out of the boat, walked on the water, and then sank. And he said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. If our musician would come, please. And he said, Jesus said, oh, Simon, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? God's hand always reaches out to those who call out to him. And he rescues them. You know what storms teach me? That when I try to persevere and I don't, he's still there. When I try to walk on the water and I fail, he's there. When I do good, he's there. When I do bad, he's there. When I disappoint myself, others, and him, he's there. And whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved, delivered. Not just their salvation from their sins, but in their storm. Anybody else in this room had him come and rescue you? Thank you. You can clap and tell... God's hand always reaches out to those who call for him. I ain't shy no more. I used, I used to care about what all y'all thought. I really did uh, years ago. <laughs> but I did. I was so afraid that I wouldn't impress 
or please you. And when I learned that I was far worse than you thought I was, it just kind of freed me up. You know, to, and we used to, you know, we're, we're scared of what people think and we're all proper, you know, and you start to think. Here's how some of y'all call on the Lord. Would someone on the boat please throw me a line of rescue? You know what I do? Help! Help me! <laughs> Up in here! Help! Help! Lord, I need you. I'm not embarrassed. I need you in the morning. I need you in the middle of the day. I need you after the day. I need you when I'm strong. I need you when I'm weak. Save me. As a matter of fact, can I keep you on retainer? Be close to me. Help me, Lord, to be a daddy. Help me to be a husband. Help me to be a man. Help me to be a Christian. Help me to be a follower. Help me to be a leader. Lord, the longer I live, I realize that I need thee every hour. I need you. Doesn't matter who calls out to him, he saves. Doesn't matter what happened before, he saves. Doesn't, doesn't matter how fast you're sinking, he saves. Doesn't matter how far you've sunk, he saves. Or how long you've been that way. Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With no hyper fanfare. It's not even in my notes to do this, but. If you're away from the Lord and you're backslid today, but you're a Christian, you used to walk with the Lord. You used to walk with the Lord. Do you, do you have so much pride that you wouldn't call out to him today? Or is there something in you that says, Lord, Lord, save me. Hold me, Lord, I am sinking. I need you today, God. If that's you, I want to give you my word. No one in this room will embarrass you. I give you my word. But you need to come and kneel before the Lord. If that's you, just come on. Lord, I'm away from you today. Where are you? Come on. Anybody? Lord, save me. God bless you, sir. Lord, bring me back to you. Anybody else? Lord, rescue me. You know I used to walk with you. Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Clay, would you come pray with this gentleman? Y'all pray with these as they come. People still coming. God bless you. Lord, save me. If that's on your lips this morning, Lord, save me. You don't have to explain it to me. I'm not important. But you need it for him. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. God bless you today. Those that want to come pray with them, come on. Come pray with them. Whosoever is a broad invitation. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord. I just believe there are people sinking today. I'm trying, but it ain't working. God, have mercy on me. You might not even know how to pray. But if you will call on the name of the Lord, God will meet you. God bless you, ma'am. These precious girls, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, he ain't forgot you. I feel such a tenderness in my heart that the Lord, it's, it's not audible, but it's like he's saying, these are mine. I know them. I know these. These are mine. These are mine. I know them. 
Is there one more this morning? Lord, say, maybe you're not a Christian. Can I just, will you give me 30 seconds? If you're not a Christian, you don't believe, okay? You're not born again. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. You are dead in your trespasses and sin. There's no hope for you. You can't kind of get undead. And when I preach this gospel that there's nothing you can do for yourself. You say, well, what am I supposed to do? You call on the name of the Lord to do it for you. And he exchanges his life for your death, his covering for your nakedness, and he imparts his righteousness to your unrighteousness. Say, Brother John, I don't think I'm a Christian. But do you think God will save me? Absolutely. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that's you, I want you just to slip your hand up. Is any here? Anybody here? Glory to God. Jason, would you pray with this gentleman? Church family, would you stand with me? While these are praying, y'all can continue to pray in the altar. That's fine. Y'all all stay here if you will. These storms, these storms bring you to a new place of worship. Those in the altar that can, I want you to look this way. When you sink and the Lord pulls you up, you start to do your own worship again. It's not looking over to see how mama's worshiping or, or daddy's worshiping her. But it's my song. Lord, I'm grateful for my mama and her knowing. But I want to know you for myself. I want to know you for myself. And I'm calling on you. I want to learn in high school and junior high and college how to, how to call on your name, oh Lord. And I want to know that you're greater than the storms in my life. Maybe, maybe the devil didn't cause this storm. Maybe you used the storm to rescue me of all the things. God has a myriad of ways of bringing us to himself. And sometimes it's the goodness of God that leads us repentance. And other times he just makes life so hard that you can't see any other way. But in the end, if he gets us, he gets us. Let me tell you this before Pastor Chris comes to close. It said they all began to worship. So Simon got out of the boat. Simon walked on the water. Simon sunk. Simon called on the Lord. But when they got on the boat, everybody worshiped. Could it be that your story may be the difference maker in somebody else's life? Could it be that your testimony in high school could be the one that turns your friends? Could it be that they watch you and say, well, man, you were just out with us last week. You say, yeah, well, that was last week. I'm, I'm, I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm sorry. Oh, you've done that so You've done that 50 times. Make it 51 because I'm going to live for the Lord and I'm going to persevere through this and I'm going to continue. God uses storms and I believe he's using the one you're in so that you will come into a new level of worship that's yours. Isn't he faithful to us? Isn't he gracious? Where would we be, church family? Where would we be without grace, without his goodness? Will y'all join me in thanking the Lord for what he did in their hearts this morning? Pastor Christian.
Amen. It's a great day when you see altars filled. It's a great day. I think we should seal this moment in prayer. Amen. If you would close your eyes and bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, King of kings, Lord of lords, we love you. Lord God, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts today, Lord God, in this building, Lord God, and all around. We're thankful for your power, your anointing, your blessing. And Lord God, what we ask is that you lead God, direct us as we move throughout this day and throughout the life. Lord God, I ask also that you bless each and every one that made a way down here and those that maybe didn't take a step but made a move. With a raise of hand and with a, a change of heart, Lord God, I ask you bless them, touch them, make today a day they'll never forget. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Lord's Day, amen.